Welcome everyone to another episode of the One Up Formula Podcast. And as always, we're diving deep into people's journey on how they got to their success by figuring out what they did outside of work and their career to be successful. And today we have Brendan Gann and his background and what he's done in his career so far is extremely impressive. Uh, he's been on the forefront of social and influencer marketing uh, really from the beginning. And he's you know one of the people that got into influencer marketing back in 2006 with YouTube and has really dove deep into all things, the influencer marketing and the social space. So if you got a question about TikTok, he probably has the answer, Instagram, Twitter, all those different things. And he's developed social campaigns for some of the top brands in the world such as Mountain Dew, Amazon, the Olympics, 20th Century Fox. So obviously those are notable brands that we all know here. And also as well, uh, he was named Forbes 30 under 30 in 2012 for his influencer marketing and the things that he's done in the space. So, which it was just really cool. And, you know, his company got acquired around in 2015. I was Epic Signal by Mechanism and that's where he works today. Real quick. I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lessonly, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. So we're super excited to have you on the show, Brendan. Anything that I missed there? Hopefully that's all accurate. Anything you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah, no, that was all spot on. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm super active in in the, the influencer marketing space. I, I, I sit on the VidCon advisory board like... I, I live and breathe that stuff. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a blast, but yeah, that was great. Awesome. And so we, we got two questions before we get into the three things uh, that we always talk about here on the show. Uh, we were talking about it briefly before we got on the podcast, but I looked at your Instagram and noticed that you've been to a lot of music festivals <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is, this is my guy. Cause we had a conversation before, but I didn't even know that I've been to a lot of music festivals myself. It's probably the number one thing that I'm the most sad about right now. Besides, besides my girlfriend, because she's going to listen to this and be like, what the heck? Not me, but because but, we're long distance. But the thing is, like, music festivals is like right there. So what's been your favorite music festival and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay, maybe I'm probably um, I've got a cheesy one, I think. Okay. It's, okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's like Warp Tour from like three years ago. Or it's like the last. <laughs> Shout the, out to Warp Tour. I have yeah. that. <laughs> It's like, so that was like, you know, I grew up in Southern California. Warp Tour was like the biggest thing that happened every summer. And I think it was like three summers ago. It was like technically the last full Warp Tour. And so um, I, I went out to, to see it in Chicago with my, my fiance. Um, and uh, it was it was cool. I hadn't been to one in whatever, like 
10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my good friends um, is uh, the bassist in this band, We the Kings, who who was one of the headliners of, of Warp Tour. So it was yeah. awesome. Like he was so cool. Would you know? Took us backstage, gave us VIP passes. You know, got to meet a bunch of the different bands, and um, and uh, so it was like just like a total like nostalgia trip. Um, so I think that place just that just sort of uh holds a special place in my heart i guess yeah no that i mean that's that's super cool that you were able to they will have that experience meet certain people and i think that that's the that's the key thing right it's like you know there could be great artists there but i also believe it's the experience that you had and the in the people that you came with too right because it could be a fire lineup and then the people you're with are, are terrible and you're like this is the worst festival of all time a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I, I think that's a good point. It's like who you're there with matters more than anything else, probably. A hundred percent. Like I've been to ones where I was like, man, this group is like not the best, but the lineups were sick. But I just the vibe of the people I was with just threw it off. A hundred percent. Nah, that's super cool. So how many have you been to? Or you say like it's too, it's too many to count at this point. Work tours. <laughs> Or no, just music festivals in general. Oh gosh, um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe a, a couple dozen. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, this is, yeah, that's a, a total shot in the dark. But yeah, I'll roll with that. Yeah, let's go. We'll go with that answer. No, that's super cool. So, uh, la- last thing is that I mentioned this in the beginning. You had sold your marketing agency and. When you sold that agency, how did you feel? And was that feeling that you had, was it something that you f- thought you were going to feel? Or you, you did you feel like you were going to feel something different? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I feel like with anything like that, like any sort of like moment in time that is notable or like where you accomplish something, it's always like, it's weird when you don't feel anything different it's yeah. like you know it just sort of is there and you're like i thought i was gonna like feel something like some rush of like i don't know oh my gosh my life has suddenly changed and and generally it's like okay that happened and i'm like trying to figure out how i feel about it yeah it's it nothing nothing particularly noteworthy um you know, I guess it's that like hedonic treadmill, like whatever you're doing, it just keeps like escalating and ramping up. You don't ever feel like you've arrived. So you, you didn't feel like you, you took the moment to be like, wow, like I did it. It's like, cool, we did it. What's the next thing? Kind of. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Or like you start critiquing it and like, you're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal because of X, Y, and Z, or it could have been yeah. better because of X, Y, and Z. And like, yeah. I, I think that's, probably with a lot of people listening, they probably have the same thing. Like when I accomplish certain stuff, I'm like, like, it's like two seconds of like, Oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, all right, so what's the next thing? <laughs> like Immediately. A hundred percent. It's wild. It's weird. Like when you're a kid, you always think like that, like major events like that are going to be sort of like static in some way. Like, it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm here now. And like, suddenly everything's better. And it's like, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I was curious on that feeling. So you you kind of were like, okay, cool. It happened. It is what it is. But obviously you, you got that success and you're seeing continued success. So it leads into the three things. So what are the three things that you're doing outside of your work or your career that, or that you did, right, that has led to this consistent success you've seen in this space? 
Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's interesting this morning, I was like trying to think of that, those three things. And I was talking to my fiance and, and she was giving me some things. So um, I've got a mix of ones that she recommended for me as well. <laughs> I came of, of course. Yeah. And like, I, so one uh, that she pointed out was that I'm like good at recognizing my weaknesses. And so I'll almost like preempt them. Like I'll like, I'll know that I'm like very, uh, I'm very scatterbrained. Like I'll mm-hmm. be like all over the place all the time. And so um, I'll do things like I'll, I'll um, set uh, uh, timers on um, like the amount of time I can spend on certain websites and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And like um, I'll, uh, when I'm doing work, to, to get me to focus on one task at a time, I'll set an, a, a timer and like, I've got 20 minutes to do this. Yep. And then I can like be like crazy and scatterbrained for a little bit. And um, so I'm, I'm good at sort of putting boundaries in place to sort of reel myself in a little bit. Um, I think the other one is sort of like, um, I, I'm, I, I've been good about sort of being somewhat early in in things and i think when you do that you can kind of get a disproportionate amount of value like you can get like these exponential gains yeah um, you know like i was i was like pretty early in influencer marketing did it in 2006 at the time like nobody cared like it honestly was like hard to get people excited about stuff working with brands like they didn't you know there's like a lot of coaxing and convincing and explaining did that bother you yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Bothered me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. You're like, hey, guys, this is it. This is what we need to do. A hundred percent. And like, I remember like having like long conversations with like my boss at the time, being like, I don't know, like, if I should keep doing this as a career because like mm-hmm. I see other people going different avenues and they're moving quicker, and I feel like I'm just like beating my head against the wall. But I loved it. And but but I was like trying to think like, you know, 10 years ahead. I'm glad I, I I stuck with it. But as a result of being early, you know, you're you're working with people before they're being bombarded with requests. Yep. And you can actually form a relationship with them. And that's super valuable. And it's like so many creators that I worked with or people on the industry side that I worked with. I worked with when, you know, I was able to be the first person to, to cut them a check and get to know them. And like, we built a real solid friendship before, you know, they, they became, you know, the hottest thing since sliced bread. It's like, and, and so it's nice, you know, like I can pick up the phone and call them and um, there's a deeper connection there than just like something like being one of like many other people. For sure. It's real. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. So that is, I think one thing like, being sort of like curious and then like acting on that curiosity has been very beneficial. And then I would say the third thing is like um, a little, I think it's like a a level of grit essentially. Um, Like if I, I'm good at like every year. So I'll set some goal. It's, it's not like a plan thing per se, but like I get very, um, I don't know. Um, I always feel like there's got to be some goal. Like if I if I don't have something really big that I'm working towards, 
I get really like, I'll just get straight up depressed. And mm. so like I've always got, or most of the time I've got some big goal that I've got and I'm good at just like just cranking away at it bit by bit every single day and uh, until I reach it. And then oftentimes when I reach it, it's like back to that feeling like, all right, I did it. Now what? Like, no, where's the next goal? <laughs> yeah. Like in 2019, like I never lifted weights before, but like in 2019, I was like, oh, uh, I'll start like lifting weights. I've never done it before. Yep. And like, I, I got like, like this, I'm not trying to like sound like I'm bragging or anything. Cause it's not, it's like, but like, I got big, I'm not like yep. a, 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 a buff dude. I've never done that before. I got really big. I was like, you know, 30 pounds heavier than I was at the start of the year. And uh, I'd never felt like that or looked like that. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop <laughs> doing that. Like, I got to find something else now. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, this is really interesting. It sounds like you're very similar to me. Um, most people that listen to the podcast know that I'm, I'm very, very goal oriented. And like, I have goals literally for everything. It's like, even when I'm playing games, I'm like, all right, I got to get to level five by like this time. Like, I'm like, I'm like, that's just like the way that I operate. If I don't have a goal, I literally will just sit there and be like, whatever. So like, I feel like we're the same in that way. But I want to go back to point number one, right? Because I think before you can figure out what goals you want to go after, before you can be curious and take action, the second point, I think it's important to know your weaknesses. And a lot of people will just be like, whatever, I'm not really going to pay attention to that. But you need to know what they are. And you talked about you preempted them. So, so what are you doing in this process? Are you, did you write down your weaknesses? Did you talk to your fiance about it? Are you talking to mentors about it? Like, how do you go about this? That's a good question. I mean, I, 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 I will talk to people about it. Like if there's something I don't know how to do, um, that I want to do, I will, um, I'll, I'll totally ask for advice and, and mm. I'll, I'll try and find articles or talk to people. Like, I mean, yeah, I'll, with, with a lot of these things, like, um, you know, like the time limitations, that was advice that I got from my fiance. Yeah, yeah. And it's like super helpful. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. I don't think I'm like necessarily like super formal about it. I would say it's more like if, if I get a sense of something, like I'm, I, I don't understand this. Um, then I'll just find myself going down rabbit holes mm -hmm. and, try and like, I, I, you know, like read like life hack websites and like that sort of thing. And like, yeah, look at YouTube videos and um, just sort of cobble together in my head, like, uh, like some, some rules of the road to help guide and, and inform how to improve. Okay. So basically it's depending on what the weakness is, is how you would go about it. But you obviously, as you go through life, you figure those things out. So I guess my follow-up question is what are the top three weaknesses that you have and then what have you done to improve them it sounds like the time blocking piece is a part of whatever that weakness is but if you could share like what the three are and you're like okay yep this is what i did to solve it that that's a, yeah um well oh and one other thing actually sorry taking a step back the yeah. other thing that that i've noticed is like I, I i i do best too when i get like a coach for that thing like something okay. or someone to hold me accountable it's good um, okay then there's like uh yeah, like when somebody else is like, you've got a third party in your ear telling you you're not doing something, it, it goes a long way. <laughs> and and before you answer the question of the three weaknesses, how do you identify who's a good coach for you? 
actually varies. Like, I mean, probably with most things, I'll just like ask around. Yeah. You know, friends, like, you know, I got like when I was lifting, I, I, you know, I've got some friends who are like big in the fitness world and that sort of thing. And they, they just recommended like, oh, here's, here's, here's somebody great to work with. So I usually just tap into my network and stuff. Yep. Makes sense. And then, um, Three things that I'm weak at. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, um, let me see here. Uh, Definitely time management is a big one. Okay. That's a huge one. Um, I think public speaking is one that is, that I've I've improved at a lot, but Mm -hmm. is, is, is a big one and sort of like, just sort of like, speaking off the cuff in general is like not my strong suit which is kind mm-hmm. of ironic given we're doing a podcast um, <laughs> yeah. i just get tripped up and and like um so yeah public speaking is probably a huge one and then um oh gosh what would the third one be um public speaking time management and uh Probably, honestly, taking care of myself would probably be third one. Like, it's like it, working out, working out, eating right, sleeping enough. I, I think sleep is probably hands down the biggest one. Like, I will just like because c- like I'll I'll be um, focused on a task and I want to yep. accomplish it. Going back to like that grit thing, and I will sacrifice everything else like that maybe is good for like sort of longevity and sustainability to sort of Mm -hmm. like keep chipping away at that goal because i'm like that that i really want that thing and i want to get it done and so this is is interesting because i want i want to unpack a couple of things on the time management piece i'll I'll go to that last because i think there's a lot there in terms of like how to go about that but you mentioned sleep is the biggest one you said you like hack away at things so do you not, so you don't have like a set time to sleep. You're just like, I need to accomplish this thing because it's a goal that I set out and I just need to get after it. And like sleep is whatever in the long term. Is that like, what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I only have so many hours in a day and if yep. there's a goal, I'll basically just like let that goal override sleep. And like, I, I have a bad habit of like, I really like working in the morning and I've always been an early riser, yep. but like sometimes when I'm like deep in something, I'll go to bed at like a, a, a normal time, but I'll set an alarm for like two or three in the morning yeah. so I can get up and spend like three hours, like working on like whatever the goal is. <laughs> and then I'll just like be exhausted. <laughs> yeah. You're just done at that point. Yeah. So with the, uh, with the sleep, how have you gotten better at doing, you know, I was setting timers for it. Like what, what's been the solve? Uh, that one's a work in progress, but, um, <laughs> I, 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 having a fiance helps cause she's definitely like, keeps me accountable to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I mean with, with that one, it's like that, that, that's probably one that I keep needing to work on. I'll get like sort of like ahead of my skis on that and then like try and reel myself in. Um, I try now more and more to focus on getting at least six hours of sleep and um, recognize that if if it's less than that, mm-hmm. the, the trade-off in terms of like, sure, I might be able to do two hours of work, dedicated work in the morning, like, but 
I'll probably be way less productive throughout throughout the day. And like, I just constantly am trying to remind myself of that, but that, that one's really hard to deal with. And I, and I, you know, I appreciate you being open about it because it's something I think that a lot of high achievers and people who have goals that they set, it's hard to think about, all right, like I need to go sleep. Like I can just wake up early and get everything done in that time frame. And, you know, we actually had a, someone come on and they talked about sleep and how like it was like completely messing them up because they only got like four hours of sleep. Then they changed it to like getting seven to eight and that, like you mentioned, they were 100% in the work that they did. So they actually got a lot more done because they were more efficient. So it, it's, I think it's a work in progress for everyone, especially in this environment. And it goes back to the next thing, right? Public speaking. So what is your main fear when it comes to public speaking? And then what are some things that you've been doing to overcome that weakness? I, I mean, I think the fear is total like cliche imposter syndrome. Like I'm going to get up there and I'm going to be like, people aren't going to find what I say interesting um and i'm gonna look like an idiot and be inarticulate Mm -hmm. um that's that's it um that that's like the big fear in in terms of like overcoming it um the the best thing i've done is like hold myself accountable like a few years ago i i i put on a pedestal for whatever reason like okay i want to get better at public speaking the coolest uh, conference that I would love to speak at is the next web, um, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big conference. And so yeah. I basically was like, I'll uh, like, I knew, I knew some friends that worked there. And so I hit them up and I was like, Hey, can I speak? Here's, here's uh, the topic. And um, you know, I would, I would love to do it. And they agreed to it. And then it was basically like, oh crap, now I need to figure it out. And so like holding myself accountable and having this deadline with very real consequences, it was like, you, you have to figure it out. And like, mm-hmm. it's like that burn the bridges sort of strategy. <clears throat> and that really helped. Like uh, as a result, I like, it, it creates this pressure in this time crunch that you can't just put things off. It's like, here's a very real date. This is a thing that you really um, put on a pedestal. So you want to make a good impression. Yeah. You think it's a big deal. So like I got a coach, I, you know, practice every single day. I, you know, hired designers for my deck, all that. And, and that, that accountability was like the best thing to, to overcome it because what's, what is it? Um, necessity is the mother of all invention or yep. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that's essentially what I the approach I took. <laughs> I, I I like how there's a consistent theme of that when you don't know you get a coach. I think that takes a certain level of self awareness and also humbleness. Where most people would be like, yeah, I don't need a coach. I'll just figure it out. And you like have practically said, nope, I found a coach. <laughs> I can help. Like I don't know what I'm doing here. I think that's that's really like inspirational for a lot probably a lot of people listening in because they feel like maybe they can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it helps a lot too, because like oftentimes you, you like, we all know how to do so many things like, like yeah. get, getting in shape. It's like, it's, it's simple, but it's difficult. Like it's simple because, okay, drink plenty of water, you know, eat your fruits and vegetables and, you know, try and not eat a bunch of carbs and junk food and, and have some like lean meat and protein. It's like, okay, we all know that. Yeah. A coach helps you be accountable to like actually implement that. And like, 
so it, it, it's it's having that third party kind of like looking over you and like nudging you from time to time and like also like going having to like go in and talk to somebody and you're like i didn't do x y and z like that's just like a horrible feeling it's deflating <laughs> it i is. didn't do it and they look at you like i'm just disappointed and that's like the worst thing you could ever hear a hundred percent and it's like that that piece is the piece that i think i like working with a coach with the most yep more so than like necessarily the the information that they're providing um in most cases obviously oftentimes there's a certain level of expertise given the you know whatever topic but more often than not it's the accountability that's the best I agree. It's it's the reason why I have a personal trainer. It's the reason why I have, like, actually I have coaches for certain things. I have to have the accountability because I don't like to disappoint people. So it's like my way of actually doing it because I know I won't do it if I don't have that, which is, I guess it's a, it's a weird setup, but it's worse for me. And it sounds like it works for you too. Yeah. Yeah. But if you know that, then it's like, you, you can, you can work around it and like, it, it, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're bad at something. So you hire somebody to tell you to be accountable for it. And like, <laughs> it's weird, like mental jujitsu, but somehow it works. It does. It does. And I want to go to mental jujitsu. I, I really like that word. Hopefully y'all wrote that down. I, I like that piece. So let's go into that because you mentioned that you had imposter syndrome. And if you are, you're tuning in here, right? It, all these accolades and all these brands that you work with how could you possibly have imposter syndrome and then how do you overcome that i i don't i don't know um i mean i i I would say like i've always growing up um i was like super shy i mean i'm I'm still somewhat shy super shy really self-conscious pretty nerdy Hmm. so like i I think there's probably like an element of that like in you know just stuck in my psyche it's like like, it's the kid it's still in there it 100 like yeah people don't like like you just like get it in your head like people don't like me or whatever it is and and it, it it's interesting like i think it's um it's it it feels terrible but like you can turn it into a positive if you use it as sort of like fuel you're like oh like i'm not good enough at this so like um you you basically are like okay well i've got to get good at it i i can't be you know um mm-hmm. uh you know i don't want to like i don't want to look like a fool i'm gonna like use this as fuel to just sort of like power me to um like overcome something and and like it's almost like you can like by making yourself feel bad about something you can use that to like get good at it I, i'm doing a very bad job explaining it but like <laughs> um I, I think to a certain extent it's 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 it can be beneficial at times so really it's it's really being it's being open <clears throat> to saying, hey, I, you know, I have this imposter syndrome, first and foremost, right? You have to acknowledge the obstacle or the problem. Then it's finding a coach or someone to talk to about it to then move yourself in the direction is is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, that's a much better way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So last thing, and then we're going to hop to grit because I want to dive into a couple of points there. So time management. You mentioned that was a weakness, but you told us that you can get scatterbrained at times. I, I am the same way. It's why I have to play certain music for task now. 
And I also have timers for certain things that I do. It's the only way I could be super efficient. So talk to us. Like you said you had timers on websites. Is there an app that you're using? What's going on there? Yeah. Um, so I've got the, I forget what it is, but in your iPhone settings, you can like so set reminders on certain apps and set okay. timers and it'll, uh, I'm, I forget exactly what it's called, but if you just go into settings, you can find it. And um it'll uh it will um like ping you with like a notification it's like okay you've spent whatever your allotted amount of time is um this is a reminder to like you know turn them off so like i I have that set up with a bunch of apps um and then um when i'm doing work i'll always uh just pull up like on google timer and a way i kind of break things out is like usually 20 minutes five minutes 20 minutes five minutes Mm -hmm. and um so if i i'll allow myself to do like i'll do work for 20 minutes and then Mm -hmm. i'll allow myself like five minutes of break and i'll set the timer so it's like okay whatever you want to do in that five minutes you want to check social media read an article whatever watch a youtube video you can do that when the five minutes is up and you hear that beeping set the timer for 20 minutes and go to work and um, that's actually worked out pretty well because like 20 minutes is long enough where there's like a, there's like a sense of urgency, but you can get into a bit of a flow mm-hmm. and, and, um, and it's not like so long that you can kind of like let yourself feel like there's like a lot of time. And so you maybe don't move as quickly and let your mind wander. Um, so I've found that framework to, to work relatively well. I know, I know. Getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm still talking about sales and I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing, telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales, and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. I I like the 20 to five is a last question on this. Do you decide to extend the 20 minutes if it's a project that needs more work? 
And does the break extend as well? Because you did, you spent longer time in that work. Um, sometimes. Yeah. If I, if I'm like in a flow state and it's like going really well, um, I will, I'll, I'll extend it. Yeah. I'll try not to extend the break and like turn, like if I work an hour straight, just be like, Oh yeah, I've got 15 minutes. So I might give myself a little bit more time, but I try not to do that. Cause then I start thinking about, I'll start feeling bad that I, suddenly I'm spending so much time like fooling around. Mm. No, no. I mean, no, that makes sense. Cause then you, you're like, I got other tasks to go do. So I can't just sit here all day long. So, all right. So those are things to recognize your weakness, getting coaches, setting timers for certain things. Now I want to talk about level of grit. So my question to you on this one is, do you believe that grit is something that you're born with or it's something that can be taught? That's a good question. I think it's something that you, I think it's something that you um, aren't explicitly taught, but you become ingrained, becomes ingrained with you, like in, in you and your psyche based mm. off of like um, your, your experiences. Yeah. I, I would think because if I would imagine if, if you grew up in like a really cushy sort of, I mean, like, obviously, like, I have no reason to complain. Like, we're born in the U.S., like, all that. Like, sure. my, my existence is very <laughs> relatively cushy, but it's not like I'm, like, the, the son of a billionaire or something like that. Right, you're not, you're not, you're not a trust fund, you know? You're yeah, yeah. Baby, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, I had to do chores. You know, you did a bunch of chores. I started working at, you know, 16, like, and had to balance school, work, you know, sports, all these things. And um, so I think as it's sort of like a byproduct of those experiences, you you sort of build up this tolerance for for work and 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 um, understanding of sort of like the need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I think it'd be a tough thing to just like pull out of thin air if you had a very cushy existence. Um, sure. Yeah, so I think it's probably like if it's like that nature versus nurture. I think it's nature. Yeah, sorry, I, nurture rather. <laughs> and and I think it. So you mentioned the nurture piece. Is that I think depending on your environment, as well, and also depending on what goals you're chasing for, that grit elevates. So I guess my question to you is: You said you mentioned that you're chasing towards that goal. Do you feel like your grit has elevated over the years as you have elevated those goals? Ooh, that's a good question. I think. Um, uh, you know, what's funny is I, I think it's kind of plateaued now because Mm. I, I, in my like twenties and like early thirties, like I would just go all out on things and like nothing. I I was, I was probably not the most fun person to be around at times because I would like, you know, just like work 24 seven, like, you know, blow off girlfriends, blow off family functions, all that to to accomplish whatever I had stuck in my head. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I, and and I think as I've gotten a little bit older, like I'm 38 now, I've recognized that like, oh, there are other, like there's real value outside of things that are just like purely, you know, like work tangible. Related. Yeah, work. Yeah, work in particular. 
Um, and like, there's more to life than, than that. And, and, um, you know, it's really important to, you know, maintain relationships and, um, it'll ultimately sort of keep me happier in the long run, which I think that longevity will, will also help me accomplish more things. So like by sort of being a little like less focused, um, on just like the the task and, and inviting in sort of like, uh, opportunities to be social and stuff like that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be more, um, successful in the long term, maybe less so in the short term, but in the long term. Yeah. I, I think that's been as of late for a lot of people that we've talked to that come on the podcast. It's something that they've expressed as well, that they were so focused on work and even in the past year, right. Due to the pandemic, it's opened their eyes to be like, there's more to like the grime that I'm in and what I'm doing. So, Within that, what was the turning moment for you to realize that, whoa, like there are more things in these tangible things? Was it just due to age or was there a moment in time where you were like, yep, I need to start focusing more on this? And then how have you been consistent in focusing more on that holistic view? Yeah, that's I I would say it's probably like a combination of things. Definitely, I think age. Um suddenly sort of realizing like, oh, I'm, you know, in my mid thirties, like, and it's almost like I just pulled my head out of the sand a little bit and like looked around and was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people are doing all these other things. (laughs) They are fun. There's, there's a lot of benefit to it. And then I think there's also an element, I mean, in this, I guess kind of goes hand in hand with like age, but like, I think, coming to terms with that sense of like mortality. Yeah. um, Which is like really hard to wrap your head around and something like you, the, the, the concept that like you aren't going to live forever is like, um, and you're not getting any younger. Like it's, it's so, I mean, it's like words you hear and, and you conceptually understand, but don't sink in. Mm Mm-hmm until or at least for me until relatively recently like the fact that you're going to die and you don't have like unlimited opportunities to do things is very humbling and and you sort of need to prioritize and establish okay well what do I actually want um so I think uh recognizing my own mortality um you know, uh, has certainly played a role in that. And, um, you know, I've had, uh, probably hand in hand with that. Um, you know, my, my mom went through a big health scare and and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I think it really drove that message home in a way that like, I hadn't really had to feel before until relatively recently. Yeah. I'm, I think that's, it's deep and it's also real. Uh, Gary V, <clears throat> most of you know who that is listening in. He's he, someone asked him like, "Hey, like, what's a motivating piece of advice?" He says, "You're gonna die." And it's like people are like, "Whoa, wait, what?" But it's like, no, like that's real because then that means that you need to go out and figure out what fulfills you and what you're here to do to inspire and motivate other people based on what the work that you do. And I feel like in the past year, because of all the things that have happened, it's really opened up. A lot of people's eyes. I mean, I've had friend. I had a, I had a high school friend that that died like seven months ago, 
And like, sorry, it was just like, what? Like, I don't know any of my, like, it's just crazy. Right. And like, I hadn't talked to him like in a year and a half. Right. And the, the crazier part about it is our high school reunion is this year. So it's like, I was like, oh, cool. I'll see him at the high school reunion next year. Like, but gone. And so when they, things happen like that, you realize that like, you don't really know how long, much longer you have and you have to maximize that. A hundred percent. And that, that it's so weird. Like we all know it, but like yeah. to, to know it and feel it are like two completely different things. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. Heavy. No, I mean, it's heavy, but it's real. Right. I think, I think that's what everyone, ha someone, people have to focus on that. Right. So then it goes to my last question at this point, then we're going to go to the curious is that the goals, right? So you said you've always been chasing goals. You said you've plateaued. I'd like to hear a little bit more like why you think that, but before you answer that, or this could be part of the question is that how do you decide on what your goals are? What's the process? And then why do you think you feel like you plateaued? Um, I think I pick goals based on whatever it is that I feel really bad about in the moment. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So it's like, very in, in, instinctual intuition based, not like very strategic. Like this is what I'm gonna do for the year. A hundred percent. It's like, if there's something that I realize, like, you know, there, there are certain things that there's like an itch you can't scratch. It bothers you day in day out. And at first it's like probably pretty small. And then like maybe after a few months you realize like, this is really bothering me. Like, why do I keep it? I'm, I'm expending so much mental energy thinking about this stupid thing. I'm going to, I'm going to just do something about it. And so, um, you know, I, I've gone through all the cliche things, like things like, um, wanting to read more, you know, um, uh, getting in shape, eating right, uh, you know, work related, money related, all these things. And so whenever it, I get that nagging feeling and it's usually like there's this kind of gap. Like I, I did something now I'm like listless and like, yep. Don't know where to focus my energy. And then I kind of tune into the fact that like, Oh, here's this other thing that I'm very self-conscious about or um, insecure about or feeling bad about. And I'll just like, be like, all right, that's the thing. I'm going to fix it and, and just go for it. Yeah. yeah. And so you just, you just get after it, you go for it. And then, and then the plateau, why do you feel like you plateaued? Well, I think, I think the, the, the plateau is more in terms of like the, the level of energy that I'm willing to put into something. That makes sense. Like I, and I think I'm taking a little bit more of like a sustainable view Um or approach to things and recognizing like, what's that saying? It's like, you know, um, a baby takes, you, you can't make a baby with nine women in one month or whatever. Like I heard things. that saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm probably, that's a, that's yeah. a wild one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it takes, it takes nine months to make a baby. You can't make it in like with nine women in, in one month or something. Along. <laughs> that's the gist of it. There's a process to things and, and some things take time. And, and I think I've become a little bit more aware that like, yeah, taking a approach and like where you're sort of breaking things down mm -hmm. and doing a little bit at a time um, is oftentimes like a better way to get the outcome that you want. And so it's like, 
it's almost like a different level of grit. It's more like persistence and consistency versus like full force, like going ham, expending a ton of energy, like day in and day out until I'm just like burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I think at the end of the day, people forget about the process to hit the goal. They just want to hit the goal. And in the process, you learn skills that will help you accomplish other goals. Cause you know, if someone, for example, right, people win the lottery all the time, but they don't, they normally don't keep that money. Athletes earn a ton of money, right? But they don't know how to keep it. So if you don't know the process of how to keep the money, how to get the, how to attain the goals, how to get, it's going to be lost. You have to get those techniques, those skills to help you. And the last point here is being curious and, and taking action on those curiosities. I have, I mean, we talked about this last time, video games, I'm very curious about that, esports, and just like doing the research there. And like, I always try to find something I'm curious about to learn more about. So so how do you identify what you're going to be curious about in that time period? Or is it like these other things that you mentioned is very intuition, instinct-based, where you're like, I'm curious about this, let me do research. And then how does that research, how do you do it? I would say it's it's definitely instinctual. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it just comes on. And, and I think it's like, that's one of those things where it's like, sort of like that nagging insecurity can, mm. can, can, um, can be flipped into a benefit. It's like, it bothers you so much and you feel so bad about it. You just like want it to go away. Mm. Um, so yeah, for me personally, it's much more intuition based in terms of selecting it and then what was the the other piece of the question yeah the other the other piece of the question is so it's intuition based and you're like i'm curious about this so then once you are curious about it what is your research process are you going to youtube immediately are you asking your community like you've mentioned a couple times like what are you doing there yeah i um i would say historically it's been to like go and just dive head first and do it. And like, um, almost like recognize that I'm and embrace the fact that like, I'm going to be really bad at something first and like, almost like want to get it, the bad piece of it out of the way very quickly. Like, like I started, um, this is really cheesy, but I started the TikTok um, during, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, like whatever, six months ago. You were doing the dances? <laughs> I was not doing the dances. <laughs> <Yeah>. The pointing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, the, the, I'm, I'm so uncoordinated. That is like one thing I could never do. But I've, 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 I've never been one to like get in front of the camera. And like, I've always sort of felt like, you know, I'm working on brands all the time. And like, I've got ideas and I think I have theories in terms of like how things work. And, you know, oftentimes you don't get to sort of release that creative energy. Um, and so I almost wanted to prove it to myself that like, oh yeah, I could do that um, without any like media buying and help and just do it on my own. And so, um, and I'm very camera shy. And so basically like I would, I sat myself down in front of the camera, like the very first one, no joke, it's like, I, I wrote out like a, a, a you know a script and like I I knew it was bad but I still did it because I wanted to like get these bad ones out of the way and I like my first TikTok was like, me literally reading it off the computer screen <laughs> like the camera's facing me but you can tell <laughs> I'm like reading something behind it yep it was terrible but but like 
I needed to sort of like inoculate myself um, mm-hmm. from that that fear. And um, so, so my, my approach is usually like, I'll recognize that like, I'm going to be really bad and I'll just start because otherwise I'll get into sort of like analysis paralysis with like researching and using that as an opportunity to sort of delay and like convince myself, oh, like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And it's like embracing sort of like the imperfection has helped me sort of maintain momentum. So I'll usually dive in head first, like not to say I won't do some research, but I'll dive in head first and then sort of research like the pain points that I've come across and the challenges that I've come across and and Mm. figure out how to resolve those specifically. Because otherwise, like, and I've done this before, it's like, I'll just keep delaying. I'll keep researching. Oh, I got to read this next book. And then that'll give me all the answers and I'll feel ready. Like you never, you never feel ready for anything that you're like, remotely scared of and that's why you gotta you gotta take the leap right and and you have but as long you have to do like some research right but you have to take action while even still doing the research right because you're obviously learning as you go and last question before we get to the final question we always ask everyone you've mentioned intuition a lot how have you trained yourself to listen to your intuition and not neglect it that's a good question i don't know if I train myself to do it so much as like, I think um, I, I spent way too much time in my own head, like Mm -hmm. analyzing things and like being very like, um, just like very critical of like the things that I'm doing. And and so I, I think it's just sort of like, ever since I was a kid, I've just been like, spent a lot of time in my own head thinking, And um, that's like a wildly inarticulate way of explaining it. But like, I think, you know, I reference being self-conscious about things like, yeah. you know, growing up as sort of like a, a pretty nerdy kid. I think you, you kind of spend more time alone <laughs> with your thoughts. Yeah. And you, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not maybe like, you know, uh, it, it, so, so, you know, you, you sort of um, do that out of necessity rather than like as like a, a conscious thing. And so I think I just kind of got used to thinking about me and myself and what I'm doing and um, and and being really self-conscious and like basically wanting to sort of rid myself of sort of like these these fears and insecurities to you know, whatever, like be the cool kid and like be accepted and the, the, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the intuition for you is a release from, from your mind and actually to take action on things and not overthink it. I think that's really big. You know, I'm, I am a huge overthinker and how I've gotten over it is by doing the similar, it's very similar to you intuition and also writing things down, like my goals and knowing, okay, like I I have to take action here. I can't just be overthinking this. Like I won't know unless I take action. And it's a really critical piece. And it, and it leads to the next, the last question, the final question is, what's the best piece of advice that you've received recently? I think um, the best piece of advice was um, from a book. Uh, a buddy of mine gave it to me. It was um, James Clear's Atomic Habits. Have you read that one? I, I haven't. I haven't read Atomic Habits, but I've heard so many great things about it. Oh my gosh. It is incredible. Like it's, it, it's such a, like the concept is so simple, but it is just like mind blowing the way he 
packages up the the information and like mm. um i would say the 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 big message that resonated with me was the power of tiny gains if you make one per 1% improvement every single day over the course of a year you'll be nearly 38 times better at something like mm. um so what that that's the power of compounding interest it's like you get that like slow and then like hockey stick growth and um you know if you get one percent worse at something every day you're you're um it sounds really small but you you're uh you decline three percent um over the course of the year so recognizing that um things compound and being patient and and just like focusing on like not trying to to accomplish everything in one fell swoop um really i think resonated with me at a time that it was like really important and i think that's sort of why i kind of that helped inform where i'm at now in terms of like maybe taking a slightly more sustainable approach in in tackling um goals and and basically just trying to like maintain momentum and just doing like a little bit of analysis and a little bit of, you know, a few tweaks here and there. And like, that's, it, it really helps. And like, that's one thing that helped with like my TikTok, for example, it's like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's like a, such a, I don't know, like a tangible thing that I can point to where I applied this. Like I knew my first ones were bad and I was like, well, I'll do these. And I'll just like work on like making a small tweak here and there. Like I don't need, it doesn't need to be perfect each time. Each time it's just a learning experience. And so like I, I slowly just sort of layered things on um, to, to make improvements. Like, okay, like I'm filming it all in one take. And then it's like, okay, no, I'll try and do multiple takes so I can kind of make things more succinct. And then it's like, Oh, I should film out in the living room where like, um, you know, there's better lighting. I'll get, I'll get some cool lights sitting, uh, you know, set up behind me. So it's a little bit more visual. I'll start editing them um, outside of TikTok on, on yep. Adobe rush. And like, just like all these like little tweaks in, it, it made, made it all just like better and better and better. And you get more and more momentum. Yeah, no, I I can attest that 100%. So I, I started streaming at the beginning of this year. I had no idea what I was doing at all. And I like was watching other streamers and I'm like, how am I supposed to do all this stuff? And like over time, like I watched YouTube videos every morning, I, like took notes, like I talked to other people that I that I knew that had done some streaming. And then now like I can run a stream and like I understand how to engage the chat I have like a soundboard now, right? I know how to like do the overlays. And so like, that's all been a work in progress, but I didn't know anything when I first started, but I realized that I can't really overthink it. I need to take action on it because if I just, again, like you said, 1% better every single day, like at the end of the year, I'll be able to proficiently run a very high, highly impactful stream. A hundred percent. And it's so easy to get caught up in like looking like at someone who like, like made it or whatever. And you're like, yep, it is. wait, their setup is amazing. Like everything's crisp. You know, they got the lights everywhere. Camera. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. And, and, and if you try and take that all on at once, you just are going to, you, you're going to be overwhelmed. And so it's almost, yeah, it's better to do just like what you, I mean, exactly what you did. You just like, you start and then you're like, okay, well, how do I do this? And then I'm going to layer on all these improvements 
And suddenly like a year later, you're sort of like at that place that you were like admiring somebody else being in. Exactly. Exactly. I know. I, I love that advice. And so lasting things here, Brendan, where can people find you? Where can they follow you if they have any follow-up questions? Yeah. I mean, uh, anywhere, you know, um, just searching uh, Brendan Gann, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-G-A-H-A-N, whatever your sort of platform of choice is, I'm there. And, uh, you know, I've got a blog that I um, write a lot about like social media and like kind of the intersection of, of social media and psychology um, primarily. And um, I've got a newsletter there. So I would probably recommend that. But otherwise, you know, I'm like super active on TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. So anywhere, any, whatever your favorite platform is. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> I love it. Well, Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the, on the show and, and giving out some very actual advice. And I know the listeners will appreciate it. And as I always say, y'all, one up and we'll see you all soon.